0: Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. It is my great privilege to welcome to Talk Nation Radio this week Jeffrey Sterling. Jeffrey Sterling is a former CIA case officer who was convicted of violating the Espionage Act and was in federal prison in Colorado. Before his trial and conviction, Sterling worked at the CIA, including for the Iran Task Force, for nearly a decade. He studied political science at Millikan University and holds a law degree from the Washington University School of Law in St. Louis. He was released from prison in January 2018. Uh, As I recall, while Jeffrey Sterling was in prison, his wife Holly was on this program. Uh, Jeffrey Sterling, welcome to Talk Nation Radio.
1: Hi, right, thanks for having me, David. It's my
0: pleasure. Uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks for doing what you're doing, uh, speaking out. Um, it's, it's great to speak with you after writing so many emails about you for Roots Action. Um, t- tell people who, who have managed not to know, uh, what was Operation Merlin? Well,
1: the Operation Merlin was an effort by the CIA to thwart or slow down the Iranian nuclear program by giving them or throwing into their nuclear works uh, flawed plans, which you know, the overall purpose was then to, um, they would go with these flawed plans, not realizing they were flawed, and that would set their program back um, a number of years. Uh, since
0: and and these were plans for a part of a nuclear bomb. Uh, the the flaws in which were very easily spotted by U.S. scientists and even by the the former uh, Russian who was being used to deliver them to Iran. Correct. Uh, so there was Absolutely. some some assumption that Iranians would be much much slower at spotting flaws than Americans or Russians.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's the way it was certainly sold to me as I was brought into the program. Um, that uh, the view, again, that they would not be able to uh, detect the flaws. Uh, and by the time they did, it would set their program back uh, a number of years.
0: Um, and so you went to to Congress about this as a whistleblower, correct?
1: Absolutely. I had raised my concerns, I and mean, as you uh, correctly noted, that the individual, the Russian I was working with, uh, was not supposed, he was not even supposed to detect the flaws, but the moment he saw the plan for the, the first time, uh, he easily detected the flaw. And I immediately went to my supervisor and others who would hear me that this is not what this pl- operation was supposed to be like. Uh, if he can detect it quickly, then certainly you know, an Iranian scientist would be able to detect it quickly. Uh, so the the whole aspect of, of thwarting their program for a number of years sort of flew out the window. Um, so I, I was concerned uh, because to me, it's like, okay, my thought was this has turned into a dangerous situation. Um, because now we're giving, providing, not I mean, with the intent of thwarting, but the fact that the individual no one was supposed to be able to detect this flaw, now we're actually providing them uh, a leapfrog, if you will, uh, for their program. And I, and I felt that this was treading on dangerous uh, territory, and I made my concerns known, or tried to. I, I, um, and no, I'm sorry.
0: Uh, no, I, I was going to ask, uh, you went to Congress out of this concern that the that the CIA was spreading nuclear technology rather than somehow, uh, you know, putting uh, impediments in the way of spreading it. Uh, and what did Congress do?
1: Uh, they did nothing. Uh, I went to the Senate Intelligence Committee um, with my concerns, because this was, Shortly after the uh, start of the Iraq Iraq War, and my concern was that there's a possibility that given the the breadth of Operation Merlin and the potential um, danger and destruction that it could cause, especially to our troops going into Iraq, because at that point I didn't know if the operation had been launched uh, using... uh, with, with an Iraqi uh, point of view. Um, so I, my concern was that our soldiers may have been going into a nuclear situation, or at least, uh, if a flawed plan, created a dirty bomb situation. And I wanted them to know. I thought this was a foolhardy uh, operation, the way it was being executed. And the real danger of it was putting our troops in, in harm's way.
0: I would add the rest of the earth if we're talking about nuclear weapons.
1: Uh, no, absolutely, absolutely. And at that point, um, it was during those times. It was amazing to me uh, the talk of Iraq having nuclear weapons, and of course, I did not know at this point whether uh, Operation Merlin or anything similar to that had been targeting Iraq in their weapons of mass destruction um, aims. But I. Certainly, it was kind of hard for me to accept. And not only based on my experience uh, within the CIA, but also just on a common sense experience, the talk of Iraq having nuclear weapons it just didn't make any sense. But at the same time, there was to me that real danger that it was possible, and it was possible because of potentially a U.S. hand in uh, making it possible
0: well you you knew that nuclear plans or uh, part of the plans for a nuclear bomb had been given to the iranian government um there was uh, at your at your trial which we'll get to shortly uh in more recent years at your trial uh there was a, a, a cable a communication from within the cia from back in those years uh, that showed the the intent to move on to the same sort of operation with Iraq. Uh, was that something you knew about at the time, that that was being considered?
1: I did not know about that at the time. Uh, certainly, if as with any operation, if it's successful in one arena, then why not try it in another? Um, so, of course, I had no firsthand knowledge or any involvement with an Operation Merlin-type uh, action was taken in Iraq but it's certainly possible and that was also the motivation for me to go to uh, the Senate Intelligence Committee
0: Do you do you share my suspicion that the that the purpose of such actions uh, was to plant false evidence on Iran and on Iraq uh, or do you think the purpose of, of Operation Merlin with Iran and with any other countries it's been tried with w- was really to slow down uh, a nuclear weapons program
1: um Hindsight being what it is. But, of course, as I was brought into the program, the the purpose of thwarting um, nuclear ambition um, was the goal. And that's certainly where I put my efforts efforts into and belief in the program. Uh, Hindsight being what it is, and especially what I was learning uh, during the trial. Um, I think maybe there was a purpose that I did not know about, and that purpose was to possibly... Plant um, information uh, to justify, I guess you know, to justify uh, international uh, condemnation or uh, to lend proof to claims of uh, a a country uh, having ambitions to be a nuclear power. Um, I think it's quite evident that the, based on the information about Operation Merlin, um, it could certainly and easily be used. Uh, to plant information as opposed to thwarting you know, a program. I, I think also because one, one aspect, I mean, we're talking about science. And scientists test. And if something doesn't, if a test doesn't work, then they will retest. They will explore. They will try to figure out what's wrong. Um, I went into Eyes Wide Open with Merlin, but, okay, they will, the scientists will explore what's wrong, but it will take time. Um, but what troubled me was that we're still handing the plans for nuclear weapons
0: right, and and that was the success was having handed them the the document. there was no there was no waiting around for years to see whether it slowed down a program that may or may not have existed at all. Uh, it, that that was the that was the success. So moving right on to Iraq uh, with that success under one's belt, uh, sort of defines the operation merely as as planting the document, uh, not waiting to see what what results, right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, The existence of documents related to nuclear weapons is a uh, smoking gun, if you will, uh, for any um, containment or a to contain uh, nuclear proliferation. If a a country has plans, then if you find plans in the country, obviously they're trying to do something with those plans. So what better justification could there be than to launch a military action? further uh, sanctions and other aspects
0: like that. Right. Uh, We are speaking with Jeffrey Sterling, former CIA case officer, uh, convicted of violating the Espionage Act. Uh, So how is it that you were convicted of going to a journalist with this story, which I would have considered an act of public service, not a crime, uh, even though you didn't didn't do it, didn't go to a journalist with it?
1: I think I was an easy target. For the uh, Justice Department and the CIA. I had, uh, of course, filed a discrimination suit against the CIA, uh, and I think that opened the door for me for uh, vengeance or retaliation, certainly. Um, And I had a previous relationship with uh, the eventual writer of the book, uh, Jim Rising. He had written one of the New York Times. He had written an article about my discrimination suit um, so the pieces lined up for them perfectly even though I did not disclose any classified information uh, to Mr. Horizon. Uh, I think it created a perfect situation for them to come after me and persecute me
0: and And now you've you've written a book that's quite uh, illuminating about uh, about U.S society and your childhood and your career and and how you... Got to the CIA, and then uh, what you encountered when you were there. Can you, uh, what what is the book called, and can you tell us about the the origins
1: of this book? Yeah, the book is called uh, "Unwanted Spy: The Persecution of an American Whistleblower," um, and the the book is pretty much uh, it's a memoir uh, for me, uh, starting at my childhood, uh, growing up in America, uh, African American. Uh, and the pitfalls of trying to find your own way. And my journey led me to the CIA. And, um, eventually my journey, of course, led me to, uh, being imprisoned, uh, unjustly. Um, it's, I wrote, I started writing the book actually shortly after, um, I started my discrimination efforts, uh, my efforts to fight discrimination at the CIA. Um, and then it languished for a few years, of course, I wasn't able to find a market for the book, but it was a really cathartic effort uh for me uh, to write the book to to sort of um document my journey as an american uh and, and to that nature and so it languished for a while after the trial. I knew I wanted to update and finish the book and I tried to work on it while I was in prison, but that was (laughs) really difficult, Um, and I just really thought it was a good story to tell. And once I was finally released, I worked hard and finished the book, and uh, it will be coming out in October 15th uh, from Bowl type books.
0: Uh, I think it is a very good story to tell and very well told. I'm, I'm happy that I've been, been able to read it. Uh, you know, I grew up just a few miles away from the CIA, and I never mm-hmm. would have dreamed of joining the CIA. I, thought, I would have thought of that as the worst possible thing a, a human being could do. And you grew up in, in Missouri, uh, and uh, you joined. How, how did you get to that point?
1: Um, I was in law school. Um, and it was my start of my third year. And just during a break from one of the classes, I was looking at the local paper. Um, and I saw an ad for, um, you know, plain as day and very obvious, uh, join the CIA. And I guess growing up in small town America, I, I always had a wanderlust to see what was out there in the world and joining the CIA. Felt like a perfect opportunity for me. Um, and I decided to uh, apply and took a long time with the process. Uh, but I was accepted, uh, made an offer, accepted, and I joined the CIA in 1993.
0: I I think the peace movement really needs to come up with global tours for uh, for newly hired activists. We can we can't compete yeah. with the, with yeah. the military and the CIA with the wanderlust uh we, we haven't got it. Um so so you get to the CIA and and encounter uh racism at least as as bad as you had seen anywhere anywhere previously, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. Now, going into the CIA, I certainly didn't go in with my eyes shut or, or looking through rose-colored glasses. I knew some of the history of the CIA and the troublesome aspects of it. But I believed in the mission of the CIA, and it was also a way for me to serve my country and in, in my unique ability. Um, but when I got there, uh, the Valhalla, I was going, I was joining... Um, turned into another another troublesome aspect of America. It had nothing to do, the treatment there, had nothing to do with my ability uh, or my capability. It had more to do with the color of my skin. Uh, CIA, of course, is a uh, majority uh, white, and I just didn't fit in. Um, there was no way for me to fit in. But I was determined, despite that, uh, to make my way Uh, make a difference. Um, There was the personal aspect, yes, uh, an opportunity to see the world, but it was also, to me, an opportunity to make a unique contribution to my country. Uh, But what I didn't know was I was not wanted by the CIA. Even though they allowed me to join, they expected me to join. I was not what they expected.
0: And and in some ways, they were quite open about it, right? You, as a black man, you would stand out too much in Europe, whereas there were CIA offices in Africa that stood out like a sore thumb
1: full of white men, right? Absolutely. Um, the basis, one of the basis of my uh, discrimination suit was that I was questioning why I was not receiving assignments. I had been in the agency for a number of years. I'd been turned down for assignments. And then when I thought I had a uh, good assignment, all of a sudden the the avenues for advancement would dry up, or they weren't there entirely. And I point-blank asked my supervisors why I was not receiving assignments. And the, the point-blank answer back to me was, well, I kind of stuck out as a big black guy speaking Farsi. Yeah. And my, re- my response to that was, and as honest as I could be, like, well, when did you realize I was black? That meaning, why should that make a difference? And has it always been that way? Yeah. So that that was quite shocking to me. And you put everything together at some point. You just got to stay in
0: and, and do you think that you were eventually prosecuted for supposedly leaking uh, the the Operation Merlin? Uh, Uh, fiasco to a journalist because you had challenged racism within the CIA.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, Again, it was a perfect opportunity uh, for the government to uh, prosecute me. Um, Here is a case that was certainly different from other CIA faces, and it was extraordinary during the trial what the Department of Justice and the CIA were willing to uh, disclosed during a public trial uh, sources and methods with uh, with the CIA. Um, former and current case officers, uh, even though they were given uh, pseudonyms uh, during the trial, uh, they were there up, up front and center uh, to testify on behalf of the government to talk about the, um, the goodness of the CIA and, and how careful it is with its operation. But uh, like, and, of course, the comparison was easy for a jury who's used to and quite knowledgeable about um, the intelligence community, certainly there in Northern Virginia. Um, what face didn't look like all the others. It was mine. I was the only uh, black officer within in that courtroom. And so, it, of course, it was easy. Uh, and, and, and also being labeled a disgruntled employee,
0: Right, no, no African American faces on the jury either, and in a location uh, in a location that had nothing to do with the alleged offense, but was the, the backyard of the CIA.
1: Absolutely, and the Fourth Circuit is the home turf of the the CIA, and it's extraordinary the uh, leniency given to them in presenting their case, uh, which was certainly not afforded to my defense.
0: So you're now going to be uh, doing a, a book tour, book events, and uh, speaking out and doing interviews. Is this going to be a full-time uh, job? What are you going to be going be up to now?
1: Absolutely. We are uh, starting a book tour uh, shortly after the release of the book in October. Um, and I think it's going it will give me an opportunity to get out there and, and for people to get to know me. I was so honored that uh, even through your program and other other avenues, uh, people were able to get to know my wife, and she's been such a very important part of my journey and my being able to withstand uh, this ordeal. Um, so I, I welcome it as an opportunity for people to know my story, um, uh, certainly, hopefully, to read my book, um, and also give me an opportunity to speak about things that need to be speak, spoken about uh, here in America, things that you people may not know. Uh, that, is, uh, that are happening within the fabric of our country, as you had said, and you did not know or couldn't fathom that those sorts of things were going on at the CIA.
0: I I I'd, I'd love to ask you about something I saw in the news just recently uh that uh President Trump uh apparently uh tweeted out a photo uh that was classified of a of an Iranian location uh and intelligence veterans were pulling their hair out uh, according to all the headlines and my re- my reaction immediately was, well, does Iran not know what Iran has on the ground, or does Iran not know that the u s. has satellites? or uh, but but certainly, if Jeffrey Sterling had done this, he'd be locked up in prison for for it, right?
1: Absolutely. It is a horrible uh, double standard. Uh, I think during my ordeal, here um, I was, no evidence that I had disclosed any information to a reporter. Um, yet I'm put on trial and convicted. Uh, yet there are other individuals who, uh, General Cartwright comes to mind, um, who also disclosed information about the Iranian program. Um, he was, he pled guilty, but of course was pardoned by President Obama. Uh, I, I think the disclosure of classified information, if it works to the benefit of the government, uh, regardless of the rules of classification, um, it will be overlooked. But if someone does it without the blessing of the administration uh, or even within the CIA, um, that individual is going to be labeled a uh, traitor.
0: And, and they prosecuted you for supposedly making public uh, Operation Merlin with regard to Iran. But in the course of the prosecution and the trial, uh, that's how I learned that, that they had looked into doing the same thing with Iraq. So they, they may have revealed more in prosecuting you than what they were prosecuting you for.
1: What has been absolutely amazing to me is that going way back with my discrimination suit, it was thrown out of court. Um, not because I didn't have a case, but because it would have presented a, a danger to national security. Yeah. If my trial, my discrimination trial, had gone forward, I, there would have been no need to disclose anything to the extent that they did during my criminal trial uh, in the public uh, avenue. Um, there was things I was even shocked at the information that was disclosed during that trial. Uh, but they prevented me, because of national security, from having my ability to defend my civil rights. Yet, all of a sudden, the national security threat is tossed aside, and the government is able to prevent and basically give up more information than I would have certainly ever needed to disclose. Uh, But that's okay for the government. Um, I was a national security threat, Fighting discrimination, uh, but the basis of that threat all of a sudden dissipated when the government needed to disclose that information to prosecute.
0: Yeah. Complete hypocrisy and completely ridiculous that there was a, a threat to our security. What, uh, what, what do you make of President Trump uh, pulling out of the Iran nuclear agreement uh, as the head of a government that's gone to such lengths as, as Operation Merlin to supposedly uh, slow down uh, an Iranian nuclear weapons program, uh, if there was one, uh, ripping up an agreement that, uh, that did everything they were supposedly after?
1: I think it's um, misguided. Um, some of it seems to me to his desire to reverse anything um, done by previous administration. Right. Um, he's certainly a hawkish president, and this has given the opportunity for the hawks in government, to, the hardliners in government, to uh, want to be more of the uh, world police, uh, the, the U.S. to sort of take over, with regard to security and be the uh, head at the head of the table, I, I think it was just misguided in that Iran was cooperating, um, and it's unlike the relationship with North Korea, where you always have to question whether North Korea is actually um, being forthright and wanting to negotiate or come to the table. Iran was at the table; the rest of Europe was at the table. Um, but the U.S. all of a sudden, for no basis and no reason, other than to maintain, um, I guess the, the the view that Iran is a great enemy. Uh, just how can you be at the table with a great enemy? Um, and I, I think that just create has created more of a um, unpredictable situation, um, the, and especially in a sense that Iran was. Cooperate.
0: Uh, yes, indeed. We've got just about one minute left, Jeffrey Sterling. Uh, how can people get the book? How can they find out where you'll be speaking about it? How can they get involved and stay informed?
1: Um, they can go to uh, Bold Type Books' website uh, for information on the uh, the book, uh, as well as any other uh, book sites like Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, and on the Boldside site, there should be there will be information and also social media. Uh, about speaking events where I'll be, um, and hopefully I'll see a lot of people out uh, give me the opportunity to meet and thank all the people who supported me through the years.
0: And, And the book is called Unwanted Spy, right? Yes, it is. Uh, we've been speaking with Jeffrey Sterling. He's a former CIA case officer. He was convicted of violating the Espionage Act uh, and spent time in a federal prison in Colorado, uh, is now thankfully free uh, and touring and speaking uh, and benefiting Uh, this country as uh, a whistleblower and an advocate uh, for an informed public. Uh, Jeffrey Sterling thank you very much for what you're doing and for coming on Talk Nation Radio
1: It has been my absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me
0: This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson Take action at rootsaction.org Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org Until next time.